Hey church, how you guys doing today? You good? John's good. Hey, welcome home. For those of you that are in the room and online as well, watching all over Saskatoon, around our province, our nation, and around the world. I know some of my family's watching in India. Shout out to the fam in, in India. Come on now, come on. Yeah, yeah, come on. Hey, today I want to talk about the God of generations. But before we dive into the word and before, uh, before we get into all of that, I actually want to rewind a number of generations. I actually want to rewind uh, around 380 years ago, in fact. And I want to tell you a story about a boy who was born in Woolsthorpe, England in 1642. Now, I know you might be thinking, is this a story about Pastor John Cook? And you're just, <laughs> just a couple of years off. But it's a story about a boy, and really, the crux of this story is that the beginning of his life couldn't have begun in a worse possible way. You see, the, before the boy was even born, his father died. And on top of that, the boy was born prematurely. Now, being born premature doesn't really, in today's time, doesn't really have that much significance. But 380 years ago, it was very significant. And as a result, the boy was left with an illness for, for many, many years. And on top of that, his, uh, his mother, who is only 19 years old at the time, is now a widow. And she's left in bankruptcy and in famine with no real means to provide for her young family. And then one day, a priest from a neighboring village comes to the boy's home and he proposes to the boy's Mother, now the, this is going to be shocking, that the priest was 70 years old at the time and the boy's mother was 22. Now the conditions of this proposal meant that she would be able to live with the priest in his vicarage in the neighboring village. But there was a condition. The boy could not come. The boy was not welcome. The priest hated that boy. And in a decision that can leave, I get it, can leave many of us wondering why the mother accepted the priest's proposal. She left the boy in the care of her parents, and she moved with the priest to his vicarage in the neighboring village. Now, when you're three years old, you don't know much, but you do know when those that should have loved you, when those that should have accepted you, have rejected you. Hmm. And as this boy, he would later grow up to be a man, and he would write in his memoirs. And it's this terribly heartbreaking read to read about this little toddler boy who would climb up this hill that overlooked the neighboring village, and he would look down at this house where his mother now lived with this priest, and this little boy would sit there for hours and hours, and he would hate, he would hate, and hate, and hate. He would hate his mother for leaving him when she should have been the one that accepted him. He would hate the priest for taking his mother away from him, and he would hate the God that this priest represented. He would hate 
and he would hate. And that little heart became so full of hate and darkness. And when the boy started school, he was an angry child. He wouldn't learn. He would talk back to his teachers. He would bully the other students. He was the big problem of his small school. Until one day. Now, you knew that there was going to be a twist in this story, right? Until one day, a teacher from another village came to his school, and, and he became the new teacher of that school. Now, history doesn't tell us much about this man, aside from his name was Henry Stokes, and he was a devout Christian. And for some reason, Henry Stokes' eyes, they were fixed upon this little boy. Now, it would have been much easier for him to, to teach and to tutor any other student in that school. But his eyes were fixed on this young boy. He saw a certain beauty inside this boy, and he said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring it out. And so he would pray for the boy. He would encourage the boy. He would listen to the boy. He would give him extra time in his studies. Now, previously, every year that this boy's grades would come back, it would always say three things. Lazy, will not learn, and good for nothing. Lazy, will not learn, good for nothing. And as the months turned into years, and as this boy was all of a sudden shown encouragement and prayer and, it, and attention as he was listened to, gradually this dark little heart began to open up. And when it did, uh, to, to Henry Stokes' amazement, that's the teacher's name, to Henry Stokes' amazement, this boy had an incredible intellectual capacity. He had incredible academic potential. And as the years were added to one another, that became obvious to the entire school. He was not a problem anymore. They realized that especially in the areas of math and physics, he excelled. And when the boy became a young man and it was time for him to graduate from high school, Henry Stokes did everything that he could to make sure that he went to Trinity College in Cambridge. In fact, he even paid for part of his tuition to go there. And all of those seeds, every single seed that God had planted inside this young heart, it began to grow and it began to bloom. You see, after a few years, he was the talk of the university. After yet a few more years, he was the talk of his town. A few years later from that, he was the talk of the nation. And today, he is the talk of the world because his name is Sir Isaac Newton, one of the greatest scientists in human history. And written on his grave in Westminster Abbey in London, it says, here buried lies Isaac Newton, Sir Isaac Newton, a mind with an intellect close to the divine. And it goes on to say, mortals, mortals rejoice that such a man and ornament of the human race ever existed. They really had a way with words back then, didn't they? 
And it got me thinking. You have one man, and you have two verdicts on his life. One that says, lazy will not learn good for nothing. And the other that says, a mind with an intellect close to the divine. And it got me wondering, what was the breaking point between the two? What made one cease and disappear? And what made the other one start? What was the transformation between darkness and death and light and life? And my friends, the answer is one man. One man who chose to accept his calling to be a spiritual parent to the next generation. One man who chose to see what could not be seen with the physical eye and dared to surround the next generation with an atmosphere of faith, encouragement, and prayer so that they could realize their full potential and their full calling. Amen? Why am I sharing this story with you? Because we need an army of Henry Stokes in our church and in our time. We need an army of spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers who will realize that our purpose of being here on earth is not only to fulfill the plans and callings that God has placed on our lives, but for us to do whatever we can to help pave the way so that God can do whatever he wants to in the next generation. Because God is the God of generations. God is the God of generations. You see, when God speaks to Moses in, in Exodus 3, um, verse 15, he says this. He says, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. You see, God introduces himself as the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, not just referring to three individuals, but three different generations. What God is saying is that I am the God of generations. And I love the Psalms. You know, the Psalms were, were written in an effort you know, telling people about an event or, or story was, worked much better. It was well more received when it was sung rather than a simple narration. I'm not, I'm not going to sing this to you, but I'm going to read it for you. It's Psalm 78. I'm reading it from the Message translation. And it's a historical account of the nation of Israel. And if you allow me just to read a portion of this, because it's what in Hebrew is called a maskil, a psalm to give instruction. And we can see the importance of this passage right from the first verse where the writer, most likely David, says, he says this, he says, listen, dear friends, to God's truth. Bend your ears to what I tell you. I'm chewing on the morsel of a proverb. I'll let you in on the sweet old truths. Stories we heard from our fathers, counsel we learned at our mother's knee. We're not keeping this to ourselves. We're passing it along to the next generation. God's fame and fortune, the marvelous things he has done. He planted a witness in Jacob. He set his word firmly in Israel, then commanded our parents to teach it to their children so the next generation would know. And all the generations to come Know the truth and tell the stories 
so their children can trust in God. Never forget the works of God, but keep his commands to the letter. You see, the gospel, the goodness of our Heavenly Father must be passed on to future generations. What we're to pass on to our children is not only the knowledge of arts and languages and sciences and freedoms and possessions, but most importantly, the praises of the Lord and the amazing things that he has done. You see, the church of God was not meant to be a thing of one age. It was meant to be maintained from generation to generation. You see, if God is the God of generations, then God's kingdom is the kingdom of generations. And as that kingdom moves from one to another, it shouldn't move up and down like a roller coaster, but it should move from glory to glory to glory to glory. But that doesn't happen automatically. It will take an army of Henry Stoke kind of people. It will need people to realize that one of my most precious callings as a Christian is to be a spiritual father or mother to the next generation. And this is not a responsibility that we can outsource to our circle kids or circle youth team. Folks, when I get the call from Hollywood and they say, John, we need you. I know what you're thinking. John, you have a face for radio. (laughs) But when I get that call from Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson himself, that is God saying amen. (laughs) I'm getting that call. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) When I get that call from Dwayne Johnson himself, and he's going to be smoldering, John, we need you. That was a terrible impression. I'm sorry. They wouldn't call me for impressions, probably stunts or something like that. Um, But when I get that call, I got to go. Will we stop caring for our youth? Will we stop discipling our youth? When Cindy and Bailey, who who are back with the kids right now, when they finally win that lottery and they bounce, will we stop caring for and will we stop investing in our children Of course not, because the empowerment of the next generation, the revitalization of their faith does not fall to one person. It does not fall to one program. It doesn't even fall to those amazing kids and youth team. No, it falls to every single person that considers himself to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This has to do with our general calling as Christians. So if you're 20 years or more, you should already be looking over your shoulder and spot someone who is younger than you and pray for them and encourage them and listen to them and surround them with an atmosphere of faith. We see this all throughout the Bible. You see, Moses and Joshua and Exodus, we see it in the way that that Moses uh, introduces the next generation to the presence of God through Joshua. Now, now Joshua would have been, what, maybe 15, 16, or 17 years old at the time that Moses brought him along. 
But every single seed that was planted along the way of Moses and Joshua's relationship, it started to grow and it started to bloom later on in Joshua's ministry. And we see a similar theme when it comes to Samuel and Eli in 1 Samuel chapter 3. You see, Samuel, Samuel is sleeping in the temple. Now, now that's a kid that's grown up in church, hey? <laughs> and God calls out his name, Samuel. Now, Samuel has heard about God, but he doesn't yet know God. So he, 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 he's like, I can feel God calling out to me. I can hear God calling my name, but, but what do I do with this? How, how do I respond? Well, thank God that there was an Eli in that moment who could tell Samuel what to do based on his experiences. He could say, this is God calling your name. And what you should do now is respond in this way. Announce to him that you want him to speak. And the next time that God calls out to Samuel, the next time that God speaks to that young next generation, they knew what to do. He knew what to say, and God started speaking to him, and one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament was born in that moment. <laughs> then Samuel, Samuel grows up, and he mentors David, just like Henry Stokes surrounded Isaac Newton with a confidence of knowing that God is with you. Dale, if you're in the room, you can, you can come back up to the stage, Dale. Thank you. Elijah and Elisha. Some of you have heard of Elijah and Elisha. And probably one of the most important things that, or probably the most thing that people realize about Elijah is the amazing miracles that he did, particularly on Mount Carmel. Now, maybe the most significant and amazing thing that he did was maybe not the most important, but what was the most important is when he passed by a young man named Elisha and he told him to follow him. Because you see, the kingdom of God would not end with Elijah. It would go from glory to glory. You see, the very last prayer that Elisha asks of Elijah is to have a double portion of God's spirit on his life. You see, Elijah did seven miracles in his lifetime, and Elisha did 14, double the impact in the next generation. And here, here's, why, here's why this matters to me personally. This past week, on Tuesday and Wednesday night, our junior high and senior night, we had 12 youth say yes to Jesus. I think that's worthy of a celebration. I will not let anybody say that this next generation is lazy. I will not let anybody say that this next generation will not learn. I will not listen to anybody that says this next generation has no worth. I will not let anybody say that this next generation is good for nothing. Because they are everything. And why this matters to me personally isn't just because I'm a youth pastor, but because I want to see the backs of this next generation go past the point that I stop and see them go on to build even greater churches, to see them go on to see even greater outpourings of the glory of God, to see them reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ than we ever could. Then and only then will we have achieved 
our goal. Amen, church? Church, can I ask you a question? Do you believe that God has got even greater things in store for Circle in 30 years' time? Do you believe that? Then we must step up and accept our calling to be spiritual mothers and fathers. You see, maybe your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God isn't something that you do, but perhaps someone that you raise. And I pray and I do believe that it is time for the kingdom of God to connect generations and see the kingdom of God move from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. And in order for that to happen, we need to open our hearts and allow God to give us a genuine father's heart. Allow God to give us a genuine mother's heart, the heart of a spiritual parent, the heart that once allowed a young boy named Isaac Newton to grow out of that spiral of darkness and death into something that was amazing, a brand new identity and destiny. So church, may I ask you, who is your Isaac? Who is your Joshua? Who is your Samuel? Who is your Elisha? Now, what I don't want you to do, and I know that some of you are going to do it because I have done it, but don't look at the person that's sitting next to you and say, they'll do it. Because God is calling you. I believe that God is calling you. I believe that right now, God is putting the name of someone on your heart or someone in your mind. And I think that's something that you need to respond to. You've been saying no for a long time. Well, I think it's time to say yes. I believe that God has perfectly positioned you in whatever circumstance you might be in, in whatever situation you might be in, maybe in, in the midst of your current storm. Yes, I believe God has perfectly positioned you, yes, you, to step up and accept the calling to be a spiritual mother or be a spiritual father to the next generation. See, God may use what you have learned in your storm to help someone through theirs. And perhaps this next generation, one of my desires for this next generation is that they would know that the presence of God is not found in the absence of storms, but that the presence of God, sorry, but that the presence of God, I am butchered my own quote here, <laughs> my hope is that the next generation would know that peace isn't found in the absence of storms, but that peace is found in the presence of God. There we go. <laughs> it is found in relationship with Jesus. And the wonderful thing about these stories of spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers in Scripture is that they're all one unified story that points to Jesus. Our ability to have a relationship with our perfect heavenly Father is only bought at a price paid for by our perfect Jesus. And what could be more vital than telling the next generation the truth 
about Jesus. You see, the obstacles may be great, but I believe the opportunities are greater still. And I am not asking this of you, church. God is not asking this of you, church, because it is easy. If it were easy, it would already be done. But I believe that God is asking many of you to step up into this calling because it is necessary. And believe me, now this is a, a leadership thing, but it's gonna, you're going to experience pain and you're going to experience uncertainty and chaos as a spiritual parent. We call it puck. You've got to emphasize church on the P. We call it puck, pain, uncertainty, and chaos. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but God knows. God knows what you're going through. He cares about you more than you can ever imagine. He sees your pain. He hears the cries of your heart. He knows when you're desperate. He knows when you can't catch a breath. You know when your heart rate pounds and you feel so much anxiety that you don't even know how you're going to find your next breath. God sees you. He knows that pain. When you're praying for your family, when you're praying for your marriage, when you don't know how you're going to find your next job, when you don't know how you're going to get through the next day, when you're angry, when you're frustrated, when you're afraid, when you're anxious, God sees you, he notices, and he cares. But in the midst of that, in the midst of all of that messiness, God is calling you. He's asking you to step in and step up and be a spiritual mother or father to the next generation. So church, I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning in a couple of ways. And I know we do this every Sunday, but it's one of those things that should never lose its luster because anytime anybody makes a decision that is worthy of the biggest celebration, so what I'd just love for you to do right now, church, is just every person in this room, if you can just close your eyes and bow your head, I'd very much appreciate that. Because this is not between you and the person sitting beside you. This is not between you and me. This is between you and your heavenly Father. And the first thing that I'd just love to give you an opportunity to respond to with this morning is will you accept the call to be a spiritual parent to the next generation. And if you will, if you want to say yes to that today, if you are a follower of Jesus and you want to say, yes, I will be a spiritual parent to the next generation, can you just put your hand up? Yeah, thank you. And if you're online, there's going to be a button that says, yes, I will. Please click that. We would love to acknowledge you and celebrate you in that. Yeah, thank you, church. Thank you. You can put your hands down. And just keep your eyes closed and your heads bounced for just a, a moment longer. That's amazing. I'm so excited and happy for this next generation that a community like this is going to come around them and surround them with an atmosphere of faith, prayer, and encouragement. But church, I want to give you another way to respond this morning as well because I think there are some people in this room, I think that there are some people watching at home all around the world that this morning you need to say yes to Jesus. And I just want to talk to a few different groups of people. The first group, you see, maybe you've grown up in church your entire life. 
You've been around the block a few times. Maybe your, your parents made you come to church, your, your, your family, your spouse, but you've never really been able to make this your own. But maybe, that there's, maybe there's something that's been said today or you've heard something or you've felt something today or over the last few weeks and something is stirring inside your heart and you want to respond this morning and you want to say yes to Jesus. Another group. See, maybe you've been a Christian, maybe you've called yourself a follower of Jesus, but for whatever reason, you have walked away. For whatever reason, you've walked away. I believe, no, I know that God has his arms wide open and he's saying, welcome home. Come home, my child. Maybe you need to say yes to Jesus today. And the last group, you see, maybe faith is all brand new to you. This God that we talk about, this perfect Jesus that we talk about is new to you, but something has been stirring in your heart. There's been a nudge in your heart. Well, maybe this morning it's time to respond to that. Maybe this morning it's time to say yes to Jesus. So church, if you're in any of those groups, or even if you're not, but you're feeling that nudge on your heart, you're feeling a stirring in your heart, and you want to say yes to Jesus this morning, would you put your hand up? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And for those of you online, there'll be a button that says raise your hand. Just go ahead and click that and connect with one of our online hosts. We would love to celebrate and acknowledge you. Just keep your hands in the air just so, just so that our team can see you. Remember, you're not saying yes to me. You're saying yes to Jesus. And you're saying, Jesus, I want to get to know you. I want to experience this new identity, this new life that I have in you, an amazing, beautiful life. If you want to say yes to Jesus, put your hand up nice and high just so that some of our team can see you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Church, in a moment, I'm going to pray. And we're going to pray. If, if you made that decision today, if you put your hand up in the room or online, just say this prayer with me. But for those of us sitting around that have maybe already made that decision, or for whatever reason you didn't put your hand up, this is not a time to be passive. This is a time where we are actively praying for the people around us, where we're surrounding them with an atmosphere of faith, encouragement, and prayer. So churches, I pray, would you pray along with them? Let's pray. God, I come to you now, and I give you my life. I ask for the forgiveness of my sins, for all of the wrong things that I've done in my life. But God, I claim this promise of a new life that I have in Jesus. God, I claim this promise of a new identity that I have in Jesus. From now on, I am a follower of Christ. In Jesus' name, we pray and we celebrate those that made that decision today. Amazing. Wow. Church, in just a moment, Pastor John's going to come back up. But I think we would be remiss if we did not pray for our next generation. So would you just bow your heads with me one more time and let's 
surround this generation with prayer. God, we thank you that you are a God of generations. God, you are the God of generations. And God, I thank you that your kingdom moves from generation to generation to generation. And Father, I thank you for those in our church community that have accepted that call to be a spiritual mother or father to the next generation, God. We pray for them, God, that you would empower them to surround this next generation with an atmosphere of faith and prayer and encouragement and love so that your kingdom would move from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, church. Thank you.